Welcome to the Dignity of Women, where we dig deep into the vocation and dignity of women in the church, in modern times, and as an answer to the call for a new evangelization. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. Joining me today is Sister Mary Madeline Todd. Sister Mary Madeline is a Dominican sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia. She serves as chair of the philosophy department at Mount DeSales Academy and adjunct professor of theology at Aquinas College in Nashville. Sister earned her doctorate at the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas in Rome and a Master of Arts in English from the University of Memphis. Her dissertation was on Christ, the Liberator of Women, a study of the theology of Mulieris Dignitatum in light of current questions. Sister Mary Madeline writes on spiritual and moral theology and speaks on both theological and literary topics internationally. She currently serves on the board of directors for the Given Institute and St. Agnes Catholic School. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sister. Thank you for having me with you, Kimberly. So I want to start by asking you about... Studying the theology of women, which is a doctorate that I didn't even know existed, and I think maybe a lot of people didn't either. So you said that when God led you to pursue a doctorate in the theology of women, it surprised you. How did that surprise you? How were you called to that kind of doctorate and that kind of study? It surprised me because um, I hadn't even thought someone would accept me as a student in that topic, but Interestingly, before I went to study for my doctorate, I was living in Australia and I had given people about 30 different theological topics that I could feel comfortable giving public talks on. And it just happened that the first one people chose was the dignity of women. And it ended up becoming a whole apostolate. I got every one talk got I got invited to do 10 more. <laughs> um, and then eventually some of the university heads were hearing some of my talks and they were saying, we really would like you to lecture at the university level in Australia. Um, and my community said, well, even though you've got two masters, let's send you to get a doctorate. So when I went to Rome, I went to Rome with the idea that, you know, I'm gonna study traditional Thomistic theology. I went to the Angelicum and uh, where John Paul II went. <laughs> I was specializing in moral theology and I really thought I would do something pretty classic, like renewing moral theology with an emphasis on virtue. Um, and it just happened that the very last class I took in my licentiate was offered by a Polish Dominican who in Poland works at the John Paul II University. And he offered a course in basically gender ideology and the theological response to it. It was very intense. <laughs> and when I was taking this class, he said to me, why are you even here? I was older than the rest of the students. and I was a woman and most of them were seminarians. And I told him a little about my background. And he said to me, you've been lecturing on Moliere's Dignitatum like across Australia. And he said, you need to give the final lecture of this class. And I was like, no. <laughs> and he said, um, yes, you should. And so I, I ended up presenting, this was an intensive course. It was three hour classes. Um, to a group of mostly seminarians on the dignity of woman. And it was like lightning went off. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing how they responded to the richness of the theology of woman in John Paul II. So my teacher said to me, look, you've got to write a doctorate on the theology of woman. You have insights I haven't heard before. And I said, 
I can't do that. I've already got a topic. I've already got someone who wants to direct me. And I said, plus, no one has this specialization at the Angelicum. This was a guest professor from Krakow. And he said, no, you really need to do this. It's a need in the church. And I said, well, if you're volunteering me to do the doctorate, you were volunteering you to be the director. <laughs> so, um, he became my director, Father Yaroslav Kupchak, who's written on the theology of the body, John Paul II. And I really recognized that I didn't really choose this. It kind of chose me both as a speaker and as a writer, I feel like the Lord showed me that not only is there a message that isn't well known on the dignity of woman, but that this message isn't just a concept. Women were being healed through the lectures I was giving in Australia, especially the ongoing lecture series on Malaria's Dignitatum. They were literally experiencing spiritual healing through recognizing what it is to be a woman and how to live the gospel message about their femininity. I, uh, I had wanted to be a doctor when I was growing up and I thought, you know, the Lord wants to use this truth to heal and, and being part of that has been very exciting. Right. And we know that there is a lot of woundedness among women and I'm sure seeing that response was such an amazing part of God's work to be able to actually see that healing take place as you're delivering this message to see the response that comes from it just the healing that was starting that lightning bolt of truth when it hits you and you know this is a truth that I've been searching for or that I've needed that long search is such a beautiful process I think to be part of so I'm so happy that God called you to that and continues to call you to reach out and to heal women in this way especially through Mulieris Dignitatum which is something I also have been immensely healed by and touched by. So I completely understand. That brings me to talk about Given because I only recently found out about Given and I think it is one of these well-kept secrets that not a lot of people know about. So can you please tell us about the Given Institute and how it has responded to the need for Catholic women leaders in the world? Well, the Given Institute is a jewel that's still being discovered by many. And it was, Given wasn't initially an institute. It was originally a one-time event. It was founded um, in the year for consecrated life. Um, and the first forum was held in 2016. And it really was sponsored by the sisters, the, the women religious of the CMSWR with very generous funding from several um, donors to, but when this opportunity arose that in the, in light of the year of consecrated life, women religious could come together and do something to help young women today. There was a bit of discussion around it, you know, like which population of women really need a special support. And people realized there's a lot of support for women in their teens. And even in college, we have such great programming now in a lot of Newman centers and with focus missionaries and other things for women and for men, but that there seemed to be a gap in that young professional kind of era. You know, you graduate college, you're not in the Bible studies, you're not in the, you know, Newman Center groups anymore. So they decided to focus on leadership training for women in the age range of 21 to 30. Women who have mostly finished college, many of whom are still discerning their vocations, some of whom, whom might be new to their vocations, and who might need kind of especially an integration of their faith life and their professional lives and their personal lives. So 
The first forum was held in 2016 as a one-time event, but it became so obvious that women were so hungry for this coming together, this praying together, thinking about how their faith life impacts their decisions and relationships, how that impacts their work choices, that it was seen that this, that given needed to be something more than a one-time event. Um, and that bringing together Catholic women from all different vocations and walks of life was something really worth looking into. So happily, the initial largest grant we had enabled us to form an institute. And that institute has now been in operation since that 2016 forum and has really blossomed <laughs> that now we're able to host the annual forum, but also able to host local gatherings. But we saw that there's three things that are kind of at the core of what Given is supposed to do in its mission, which is help women to receive the gift that they are. And this is really emphasizing prayerful discernment of God's call and will for your life. Secondly, to realize the gifts they've been given, which means they need a real enrichment in self-knowledge. And that's especially a target of the mentorship program that's part of Given, both in its forum and after the forum. And to respond with the gift that only they can give. And one of the most unique elements of Given is that women who participate in the annual forum don't just come to an event. It's not just a one-off opportunity. They actually formulate an action plan and then receive mentorship in the follow-up to the forum for implementing action plans that are meant to be a concrete way to use the leadership skills and the gifts they have to make a difference in today's world. I think that that is probably something that is very unique, as you said, because it's so easy to get excited and pumped up when you go to a one-time event or retreat or something like that. You have all these ideas and all these plans and ambitions, but it's easy to fall away from that as the months and the weeks go by. And what you said with that age range, there is definitely such a need and especially the need for community and mentorship because there is kind of this disintegration of community at that point in time after college, you no longer have your groups anymore and you're kind of getting into your new groove of wherever the Lord has called you back home or to a new location, maybe somewhere that you've never been. And it's hard to stay on task with some of those things. And it's easy to forget a lot of that or to let that fire fade away. So the idea of given having that mentorship where you have somebody walking alongside you the whole time, that is something that is so unique and so needed in a program like this. So how does a young woman become involved in Given and what is offered at the Leadership Forum? How does the mentorship program give her continued support to stay connected and activated? One of the things that's very exciting at this moment is that Given, um, before I talk about the annual forum, which is the kind of flagship event of Given, there are given gatherings that are growing around the country and local opportunities to pray together, hear speakers on the gift of being a woman and how we receive and give out of our giftedness. Um, and then the annual forum is five days of intensive prayer, formation, social interaction with other women who are seeking to grow in their faith, integration of faith and leadership and these mentoring groups. 
that is quite an application process to become part of this that, as I mentioned, includes the formulation of an action plan. And each year that is posted on the given website, the application process. So a young woman who's interested should definitely go to Given's website and find out more. And if you look up the Given Institute, you can find the website easily. And I think at that, at that forum, having that five-day journey where, I mean, it, it's longer than the average retreat as well, you know, that you're actually building a community within that context because you'll be in a small group based on various tracks that you can you can choose to pursue. For example, some young women want to be in, say, the entrepreneurial track, or some might be in the care for the human person track. <laughs> so there are there's even a discernment of where do you want to focus when you're at the forum. Mm-hmm. Many of the talks and events are for the whole group, but then you also have within your mentoring group a kind of clearer focus. Um, and sometimes I think people get a little like, intimidated by the action plan. Do I have to have this huge thing that I'm willing to accomplish? They can be simple, but part of what we'll be doing in the process of the forum is walking you through how to listen to the Lord in an ongoing way to discern where that action plan might go. And then the mentoring connection at the forum is very guided. We have small groups where we work together and we kind of process the talks we're hearing But also you get to know those in your mentoring group so that they can help you refine the action plan, but also just where are you as a young woman coming to this forum, you know, and how can we give you some feedback? How can we listen to your story, hear how God is at work in your life, affirm how God is at work in your life, and help each young woman who comes to discover ever more deeply the gifts she has been given. So it may be that by the time she leaves the forum, she actually revises her action plan significantly. And that's fine. I mean, we're all a work in progress and uh, the tools and the formation that the women receive at the forum is meant to really help them personally, but also help with their action plans. I had the privilege of being a mentor at the 2019 forum. And one of the things that I heard one of my mentees say, I think it encapsulates in many ways what's going on at Given. She said, I've been to retreats before that helped my faith life. And I've been to professional development activities that were meant to build me up in my work. But I've never been to something like Given where it was so integrated. Each mentoring group is assigned to both a religious sister and a laywoman as mentors who are working and journeying with the women who are part of the forum. And you really develop a very strong network of prayer, friendship, and support, even at the forum itself. And then it continues into the follow-up because each woman will be assigned a mentor to kind of touch base with over the year after the forum to see how her action plan is going, but also to see how she's going. I mean, I think it's part of the way women interact that we're not just going to be on the task. We're going to be on the big picture of the person, right? right. And so I think for me, it's such a blessing. When I look at the group I, I was mentor to, you know, one has already discerned her vocation into a religious community. One is a lay consecrated woman now. And another was in a really difficult place in her personal life, in her marriage, Things we prayed about as a group and things we shared as a group were specific words of grace for the healing of her marriage and um, and the welcoming of her her child. And I think wow. um, to see how the Holy Spirit is really working in the networking that happens there, the long-term friendships that are formed at the forum, it's very exciting to be part of an event where every woman who is there wants to grow, 
wants to discover more deeply who she is in the Lord, wants to discover God's plan for her life, and wants to put into action something that's going to benefit and bless the church. And so that's what Given's really at the service of. Wow. And you certainly don't think of that when you hear entrepreneur. You think of go, go, go. And what are you going to do next? And how are you going to be productive? So this is a beautiful blend where you can take something like entrepreneurship and put it into how is the Lord calling you to serve the church in that way and through that and how can we serve you as a human person along your journey to grow closer to the Lord, to serve in your vocation. And obviously you're seeing the fruits from that in these vocations that you've seen just out of your small group. There's obviously many good fruits in all walks of life and all vocations that are being produced out of this program and this walk and this mentorship. And that's really what all of us are called to. So it's beautiful to see that playing out. So I guess I'll just ask a very basic question that could maybe go in many different ways, but how has Given changed you personally? Well, Given has been a huge gift to me. And um, I was really surprised actually that I was invited to be on the board of directors at Given. I had never been on the board of directors of anything. (laughs) I'm a religious sister. I'm a teacher. Um, And what's been so amazing is these really dynamic women leaders, you know, both the religious sisters and the lay women who are in high level professions, very competent. And yet seeing how prayer drives everything and desire to participate in the mission of the church in a really fruitful way for the love of God and for the good of the, of the women involved. And we're not just women on the board. We also have men on the board, the, the priests and the laymen who are accompanying us seeing how much they're passionate about fostering opportunities for Catholic women's leadership. It has really given me hope because I think there are so many amazing women who are um, really trying to give their best gifts to the service of the church. And so working on the board has been a really beautiful experience and watching the way each decision on a very practical level about how to run the Institute, how to do fundraising, et cetera, is so immersed in prayer, so immersed in um, trusting God's will for this, for this program. It's been a really beautiful experience. And then being able to be at the forum, I loved being a mentor and a surprising gift was how much I developed friendship with my co-mentor, a lay woman that um, she's married and raising her family. And I feel like she's the spiritual sister that I long for. Um, uh, Even though we're in different vocations, we've remained in touch on a regular basis since the forum. And I have to say that I feel like we're shaping each other. I think the Holy Spirit led us to work together. And I think my prayer life is deeper through that friendship. And then the young women I was able to both speak to as a speaker at the forum, and then especially those I was able to mentor my small group it was not a requirement that we stayed in touch the way we did afterwards. And just when we, you know, when I get an email from somebody saying, here's my prayer intention, here's what's going on. And they would send it to the whole group. You know, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at Jesus, the holy women were there in the apostolic circle, right? They were a support to each other. And I think, you know, having my sisters in Christ, knowing that so many women who are all different ages, all different walks of life, are trying passionately 
to, to live for the Lord, it gives me so much inspiration. And I think Given connected me with religious sisters from diverse communities, young women from all over the country in ways that are surprising and, and very encouraging. Wow, that is really beautiful. All I could think of was the verse, iron sharpens iron. When you said that you and this other woman are in completely different vocations, but yet you're sharpening each other and, you know, helping each other to grow closer to the Lord in these ways that you might never have been connected before or might never have thought that the Lord would work through each other and in that way. So that's such a beautiful testimony. And I think encouraging for all of us to hear the need, because I think sometimes we forget, especially as a lay woman myself who's raising a family, sometimes we forget the need for that sisterhood because we get so bogged down and kind of isolated in our own duties and we know that we're in need of something and it's definitely that sisterhood community but we just feel like we don't have the time or you know the energy or whatever but it's true that that is a need for our soul and when we do get together even on the phone or through writing when you really connect with another sister you know that that's a need in your soul. You can really feel that encouragement of another woman. I think Given is really making that known to all of you and to you know be a reflection of that to the rest of the world, that need to lift each other up and to walk alongside each other in that sisterhood. My next question is that young women and men are being constantly told that there is no difference between them or the feminine and masculine gifts they possess. You've been saying a lot about women in given learning about the gifts they possess and sharing them with the world and serving the church. What is the most important thing that women bring to society and how is it different from what men bring? It's a great question. And maybe I won't get to the most, but maybe <laughs> one of the central. Our starting point for always in talking about masculinity, femininity, men, women, is actually the common ground, right? That we have this beautiful gift of our common human nature and that profound dignity of being created by God, called to love, called to communion with God and with one another. And I think, um, you know, it, it's so important to start from our common ground and then I, when I studied Molaris Dignitatum and the, the and the letter to women and John Paul II's thought on women, for me it was so profoundly beautiful and it resonated with my life experience and what I saw in the people around me. And I and I love when John Paul points this out. And I think for me it's one of the key uniquenesses of of the blessing of being a woman. While the human person is entrusted to both man and woman, obviously, and our, our complementary gifts are so important. The human person is entrusted uniquely to women. If you start from just the very beginning of our lives, literally each of our lives depends on a woman's yes to the gift of life. And that is radical. I'm a firm believer in the unity of body and soul. And I think um, the women's bodies and souls are uniquely person-centered. I mean, if you look at us, everything about us kind of centers on the capacity to to carry another human within us, to, to nurture and to give life to another human being. And so, you know, this person-centered quality of a woman is, I think, one of the most important gifts to discover and not be afraid of. Not be afraid that when we see questions or problems or challenges in the world, we 
fundamentally approach those questions through the lens of the human person. I mean, even neuroscience tells us that men and women's minds think differently. And I'm a firm believer that God did that intentionally. Right. You know, that, that if you, you know, if you look at the neurological pathways, you know, that a man's tends to think more within a hemisphere of his mind and a woman, it's more interconnected. And I thought, why? Well, if the woman is entrusted with the human person from the very beginning, we have to be if we want to say thinking, feeling together, like in a sense. And I think sometimes people think that's a denigration, but I don't, I think it's an enrichment. Right. I can say anecdotally, there is a story I heard or read once that for me, it encapsulated this person-centered gift of woman. Probably many people have read or heard speeches by Immaculate, who was in Rwanda during the Rwandan genocide. Yes. And I was very moved by her book left to tell and very moved by her personal testimony. And there's one particular story she tells that when I heard it, I said, this is it. Like to me, this is the embodiment of how the feminine gift for person-centeredness works. She's talking about in the aftermath of that horrible and tragic genocide that by God's grace and mercy, she survived. And she was working for the United Nations. And of course, most of her colleagues would have been men. And they wanted to assist Rwanda. They wanted to help in the rebuilding of that nation after such a devastating genocide. And so they were discussing projects, funding roads, building certain buildings and what structures would be most helpful. And at that time, Immaculate says she was volunteering for the missionaries of charity who were serving the orphaned children of Rwanda. And she proposed formally to her colleagues at the United Nations that they should consider funding a project for the missionaries of charity to help them with the resources they needed for the children. And some people argued against her and said, oh, you know, this is the United Nations. We don't do kids. We don't do nuns. We don't do schools for children, et cetera. Right. And they're like, we do structure and infrastructure, right. okay? Because we're looking to the future. Mm-hmm. And Immaculate said, if we don't care for these children, Rwanda has no future. Wow. For me, this is a prime example of why women are needed in every area of society, is that we know that at the end of the day, it's about the human person, that economics is about the human person, that law is about the human person, mm-hmm. that the family is about the human person, that education is about the human person. You know, right. And I think that person-centeredness that John Paul writes about, and that I think is so evident in the way women approach interaction and business and work and family life is so needed. And really men and women are gonna work on the good of the person together, but I do think women in that exact story, like I think Mm -hmm. she needed to say that and she needed to point out the person-centered focus of how they were gonna rebuild Rwanda. So to me, this is only one instance of what is a broader pattern and such a beautiful gift And if our culture tries to say women advance by being anti-life, it's attacking the most central fundamental gift of woman. That's right. I mean, we, our yes to life is absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. And it's not a yes at only the moment of pregnancy. It's a yes to life in every interaction and in every moment. And does our world need it? Our world needs it desperately. And so I think that's one of the beautiful gifts of, of womanhood. Wow, that was really well said. And I really love how you used Immaculate Story. That 
is one of the most powerful books I have ever read. I still remember reading it, I think in two days time. And I remember being on the College of Catholic University when I finished it, I was sitting on the grass and I just remember finishing that last paragraph and just bursting into tears right then and there <laughs> and just not being able to stop the flow of tears just from the whole thing. I mean, I knew it would take a long time to process everything that I had just read in 24 hours, but it was so beautiful. And just the way that it ended and the forgiveness and everything else, the whole thing could be an example of the feminine genius in the way that Immaculate shows that through her story. But I really like how you pointed that out about the orphans as being the future as opposed to the road and the infrastructure and everything else like that. When we do turn away from life and saying yes to life in every moment, like you said, there is more of an emphasis on the roads and the education and, and all of those things. And it's funny to think that what are we all doing this for? And sometimes you don't even ask that question. What is this all for? What is the end game? Who are we building roads and schools and everything else for? Are these just empty? That was really well said in trying to demonstrate concretely one of the main differences. My last question would be, how you live out your spiritual maternity through your vocation and did you always understand maternity in the same way you do now and that might be a loaded question but i know that a lot of people don't automatically think of spiritual maternity when they think of a religious sister or a consecrated woman or a single woman we only look at maternity as a physical maternity. And although we call religious sisters mothers or sisters or things like that, for some reason, we don't put the maternity all the time with the vocation. And so I think that that's something that's desperately needed to recognize because if maternity is only a physical thing, then that's even a deprivation for physical motherhood because if that's all we're doing, then we can easily walk away after that. If there's no spiritual maternity needed after the physical act of maternity, then maternity is, is really an empty process. So I think it's a beautiful question to ask of a religious sister. And thank you for that and for your own gift of maternity in the world. And, and certainly when John Paul II writes about the dignity woman, he says, every woman is God's spiritual maternity. And some will also have the biophysical experience of maternity. And I, I couldn't agree more that every mother has to discover her spiritual maternity as primary. So it's interesting that one of the biggest challenges for me saying yes to my own vocation was I so much wanted to have a family of my own um, and to be married and have children. But I think in saying yes to what I perceived as a as a beautiful invitation from the Lord to commit myself to him in the consecrated life, I discovered that spousal love for Christ is real marriage. <laughs> and in fact, it's the icon of all marriage, Christ's love for the church and Christ's love for, for his people. And that that love makes the spiritual maternity real, that for each and every one of us, the more we're loving the Lord, we want his life-giving grace for the whole church and for the whole world and for each person. So I think spiritual motherhood begins and is most primarily in the life of prayer. Because why? The more we're receiving the divine love, the gift of grace into our own souls, 
the more we're being filled with love and life. <laughs> um, and then we're not only loving people with our own kind of emotional experience or even our own will to love, we're actually loving them with the love of God that's coming through us for them. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely think the more that any one of us is immersed in prayer, the more we're going to be capable of carrying others in our hearts and our minds the right way. A priest friend of mine who knew Mother Teresa said, that woman had contemplative gravity. <laughs> and he wow. said, she spent so much time in the presence of the Lord that when you met her, you were drawn into God's love radiating from her. And wow. I think that is like the heart of spiritual maternity for every woman in every vocation. And then secondarily, we all have a form of concrete service we give as mothers. I mean, certainly a biological mother is giving constantly, <laughs> I mean, to her children. I mean, why are moms tired? <laughs> They're giving so much. And in my case, in my particular religious institute, that's through the gift of teaching. And for me, this spiritual motherhood of being a, a teacher is very profound and very real because it's so much more than passing on concepts. I've taught people of all different ages and all different subject areas. But I think that spiritual motherhood through the ministry of education is it's being for the other mm -hmm. and noticing the gifts that the other has. And I think this is what every mom does, right? You look for the gift of God at work in your child, trying to affirm the goodness of God at work in the life of your, of your spiritual children and really recognizing God's giftedness and drawing that out and really kind of being in awe of that, actually. Right. I mean, I, I've, I've taught many, many people, by now, and I am in awe of God at work in the soul of each person. And one thing I would say um, is that I do experience maternity deepens, that our capacity to mother deepens as our charity deepens, as our union with God deepens. And the most kind of unique thing I've seen in my own years of loving, praying for, and teaching the, the spiritual children God has entrusted to me is as I enter into the heart of God more and more, I see more emphasis on God's grace at work in the other person and more emphasis on his will. And why I say that is I think for every mother, there's this kind of challenge of you can somehow think I've got to do this. I've got to raise this child this way. I've got to do like get, accomplish this task, this thing. And when we look at Our Lady, who is the icon of, of a woman totally immersed in the Lord and totally able to mother literally every one of God's children, it's moving from I have to do to letting it be done unto me. Mm -hmm. And I think that when our spiritual maternity is radically open to the gift and grace of the Holy Spirit, each one of us can make that movement from less I have to do, even though I do have a lot to do, <laughs> to more let it be done unto me. And, and that kind of tying back full circle to what we've been saying about given. I mean, I think that's, that's what Given Institute is founded for. I mean, we're under the patronage of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And that's, that's a very intentional choice because we're trying to help young women discover that as much as the world needs our creativity, dynamism, our many gifts, our energy, our openness to life, it needs us first and foremost to be open to God's will and his plan for us. Right. And that when we recognize what we've been given, that we were loved into existence, that we are cherished, <laughs> that we each have unique, beautiful gifts, then we're able to go out to whoever God sends to us 
and we're able to mother them because the same mystery of God at work in us is what's at work in them. And that's all grace. So I think um, that's the kind of growth in spiritual maternity that I think I've seen in many beautiful women around me and that I'm hoping to be open to that grace myself. Wow, that's wonderful. And certainly the spiritual motherhood often comes through when you hear these vocation stories and sisters will say that they had a strong desire to be a mother, a physical mother, before they discerned. And as they were discerning, that was something that was always in their heart. There's a reason for that. I don't think that God has women called to religious vocation not wanting children. You know, I always knew that I never wanted children. So it was easy for me to enter into religious life and not have to give up the biological aspect of motherhood. It's interesting that it often ties hand in hand to religious sisters wanting that and feeling that desire for motherhood. And that's something that the Lord would use through the spiritual motherhood and something that he really needed to have there in their hearts. And the same thing with the priesthood. I think that there's a great comfort in hearing that. When we talk about spiritual maternity and paternity, it's something that the Lord has in our being and something that we recognize throughout our life that grows and even with physical maternity, the spiritual maternity constantly needs to be cultivated and understood and surrendered. And as you said, to allow, be it done unto me according to your word, that's something that is a constant surrender because there is always a desire for selfishness. And that is the antithesis of any kind of maternity or paternity. Sister Mary Madeline Todd has been our guest today, and I'm so very thankful. Thank you for talking to us about the Given Institute and talking about spiritual maternity and speaking about the different ways that the Lord has used you and taught you through the years. Thank you for sharing all of those gifts with us today. Thank you, Kimberly. It's been a blessing to be with you. And thank you for continuing to affirm women in our dignity and for the amazing work you're doing to try to help men and women to discover the, the blessings of God in their life. So it's beautiful to see your witness. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for joining us today on the Dignity of Women. No power.